Now that you're in the booth and ready to do play-by-play, where should you start? What should you do? How do you go about putting your call together? Intimidating? Yes, it is for sure, but we're here to help on this episode of Sports Booth. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Booth, episode number five, building your play-by-play base. We've got another great guest here today, the original and longtime radio play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks, Dan Rusinowski, will join us in a bit to offer his insights on how he went from calling college hockey games to landing one of the top spots in the National Hockey League. But first, let's talk about ways you can build your base as a play-by-play broadcaster. Now keep in mind, we won't be talking about game preparation on this episode. That will be covered in episode 12. Instead, we'll explore a plan of helping you get better and better in your call by game planning and prioritizing the important aspects of getting better. So. You are finally embarking on your play-by-play career. You finally convinced the powers to be to give you a chance, and you don't want to screw it up. Or maybe you've called a handful of games, but you don't have a comfort level in any aspects of your call. Or you are completely overwhelmed. Nothing seems to be going right. You feel like you're in quicksand. Or maybe you've hit the wall. You're looking for guidance and looking to take the next step. Guess what? You are not alone. Now understand this, having anxiety is completely normal for a young sports broadcaster. Talking to a live audience can be rattling. You're not sure of yourself and you're not convinced you're doing it right because you have little to no experience. Now when I was in college, I began calling Michigan State University hockey games. And I'll tell you what, the first couple of times I was up in the broadcast booth, I was frightened. I just tried to ask myself, how would the late, great hockey broadcaster Dan Kelly call the games? And that kind of helped me. It kind of settled me down because I had an idea in my mind of what you need to do that is the right way to do. Okay, it's not to know everything, and, and guess what? You won't. In fact, you'll screw up countless times. Again, that's okay. You're learning, and no one expects you to be Al Michaels right from the start. Now, my first year in Flint, I had a situation in the broadcast booth one night that was completely embarrassing. And a lot of people back home in Flint were listening to the game on the radio. We had a defenseman by the name of Ray Brimmer. Real nice guy, real good, steady minor league defenseman. He could really defend. He was one of those guys that, if given a chance to go to the National Hockey League, he could certainly fill in and be a very good fill-in for an NHL team. Well, we're doing a game one night, I believe it might have been in Indianapolis, and right in the middle of the call, Ray Brimmer falls down. And what I said on the air was that Ray Brimmer took a dump at the blue line. Now, fans will never let me forget that. In fact, every time I went back for home games at the IMA Sports Arena in Flint, there were a couple of fans, you know, they kind of heckle me, hey, Matt, what's Ray going to do tonight? Is he going to take another dump at the blue line? I mean, I was mortified, but again, I was just starting out. I had no idea half the time what I was saying on the air. I just tried to make it sound sensible and make it sound free-flowing and make it sound halfway decent. So how do you start getting better? 
How do you start eliminating the mistakes and building your base? How do you start feeling more comfortable with yourself in the process of calling games? Well, first you're going to need a plan, and that plan's going to be all about getting better. Now, I'm not talking about a plan in terms of preparing for the game itself. I'm talking about a plan for getting better overall as a broadcaster. The first part of the plan is taking it slow. You need to take a limited approach. Think of it as almost an inverted triangle. Very simple. Take that inverted triangle and subdivide it into 10 sections. So that at the bottom of the triangle, there's only one section, and that's where you start. Then, as a broadcaster, start slow and look to get really good in one area. Don't worry about anything else. Just that one part of your call. Now, when you become proficient in the first area, just move on to the second. Add a little more into the mix, if you will. And once you get good in the second area, move on to the third area, and so on and so forth. This will allow you to build on your original base of play-by-play. Now, since you have 10 boxes to fill in the triangle, come up with 10 ideas or parts of your call that you think are important to become proficient. Then rank them in order of importance with the most important going in the first box at the bottom of the pyramid. In other words, the most important aspect of your call in your mind is going to be the first aspect that you decide to tackle. So what are some of the ideas that you could put into those boxes in the pyramid? Well, how about time and score? Very critical if you're on radio. In hockey, maybe identifying the zones of the ice are important to you in your call. Obviously, proper identification of players is huge. That goes without saying. How about what type of a shot they took? Was it a wrist shot, a slap shot, a snap shot? Was it from 15 feet? Was it from inside the blue line down along the left wing boards? These are all little things that you can master as you move along. So just come up with 10 of these to use for the base of your call and never move on to that next one until you've gotten good at the previous one. That's what I talk about building your base, like an inverted pyramid. You start with one, then you move on to the next. And then all of a sudden, you're good at one and two, and then you can go to three, and then you're really good at one, two, and three, and so on and so forth. And that's how you build your base of play-by-play. Now listen, be patient. There's no need to rush this. Everybody has a different timeline. And this is not a race, but it's a plan to get better and better, and you will be amazed with the result. Now, my first year in Flint, broadcasting International Hockey League games for the Spirits, all I thought about was time and score and making sure that I kept the broadcast partners happy, that I made sure that I got the promo reads in, okay? Because they're the ones paying the bills, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't screw that up. But mainly it was time and score. That's all I cared about. But as the season went along, I started gaining a comfort level and was able to accelerate my learning. And I was able to add more boxes in that triangle. So as the season went along, not only time and score, but more description of what was happening on the ice as I felt more and more comfortable being in the booth and calling the game. Now, let's not kid ourselves here. Reps are critical to your development. The more reps, the better off you're going to be. And I tend to see young broadcasters making maybe the most strides, if you will, between their second and third years of play-by-play. They've settled in a bit with a team, 
And not only have they settled in, but they're starting to gain experience. Whatever you do, don't cheat the plan. Because if you try to become proficient, if you try to become really good in all the areas at once, guess what? You will fail. All areas on your plate at once, that's just too much. What's going to happen is you'll become mediocre in all the areas and really not have a command of any of them. You see, play-by-play is a lot about goal setting and managing those goals. I'll give you an example. What if I said to you, I need you to walk 500 miles. Do you think you could get up out of your chair and walk out of the house and walk 500 miles that day? Not a chance. No way, no how. You're not walking 500 miles. I don't care if you're Superman. You're not walking 500 miles in one shot. But what if I said, I want you to walk 500 miles, and I'm going to give you 500 days to do it? Well, all of a sudden, that is a manageable goal. Because you're thinking, okay, 500 miles, I got 500 days. That means I only have to average a mile a day. Well, geez, that's something that I could do. That's, not a, that's, that's no big deal, right? Having a plan is one element of getting better, and the other is critically important. You need to have the passion and you need to have the dedication in wanting to get better. I'm telling you right now, if you don't have these, you will fail. Go do something else. Go do something you feel passionate about. But I have a feeling that since you're listening to Sports Booth and since your chances are you're in a broadcast journalism program somewhere in our great country, that you are passionate and that you are dedicated to follow this through. If you love the game of baseball, but you're not much of a hockey fan, well, go call baseball. Follow your passion. If you love hockey, but you don't necessarily care for basketball, go call hockey. Follow your passion. Somebody once told me, do what you love and love what you do. Actually, that person was my broadcast partner in Atlanta, Darren Elliott. and He used to say it all the time. Do what you love and love what you do. It's a great motto, if you ask me. Here's where dedication plays a role, among many. You need to be dedicated when you're hopping on for a five-hour bus ride, you're calling a game, and you're getting back on that bus for the five-hour bus ride home, and then you're calling another game the next night. That's two games of preparation in about 24 hours, not to mention all the time on the bus. Or maybe you're calling a game, you're hopping on a plane at midnight, you land at 2 a.m., and then you have a 10 a.m. production meeting for the game the following night in the hotel lobby. That tests your passion. You have to be passionate about what you do. And that goes for any career. And you also have to have the dedication to do a great job. Time now to bring in our guest. Dan Rusinowski has been the longtime voice of the San Jose Sharks since they entered the NHL as an expansion team way back in 1991. Now, prior to San Jose, the Milford, Connecticut native called games for the New Haven Nighthawks in the American Hockey League. And he began his broadcasting career in college calling hockey games for St. Lawrence University, his alma mater. In 2013, he was inducted into the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. He's also worked in Oakland on the Athletics Radio broadcasts and is involved in Grand Prix events as well. He even became an Eagle Scout when he was growing up. Dan, I thought you'd be perfect for this episode because you've gone the college route, the minor league route, and you've ascended to the National Hockey League. But before we get going, 
Were, were you part of KSLU radio back in your days at St. Lawrence? Believe it or not, I was, although that wasn't the main place that I, I was working at. I, I did do a DJ shift there. In fact, I got on the air um, starting out doing news and sports and just, uh, you know, coming in whenever the DJ show was uh, was ready for news and sports. But one day it was time for a Christmas break. Actually, it might have been Thanksgiving, that very first year that I was there as a freshman at 18. And uh, the guy that was on the air uh, before me said, uh, you know, the, the next person hasn't showed up for their DJ shift. They probably uh, went home for Thanksgiving. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I think they're probably going to be here, though. Don't worry. I'll put on Stairway to Heaven <laughs> after, the, after this is over. That's about a seven-minute song. Oh, and yeah. Then, uh, you know, that, they'll be there by then. Meanwhile, the seven-minute song ended, and there was no sign of any new DJ coming in. So I just took over, and I, I was on the air. And the next person that was on was a guy named Chris Young, and he was the uh, the news director for the station, and he had his own DJ shift. He was a senior. I was a freshman. And he said, to, you know, where's, I think his name was John. Where's John? I said, well, he's not here. And so I, I just started doing the show. And so he listened to me for a while. From then on, I was on the air over there, too. So if my memory serves me correct and my research is correct, uh, KSLU was founded as WCAD in a pig barn. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And by the time that, that, that I got to St. Lawrence, it was, a, it was a carrier current station. So it was on all of the dorms and the, the, you know, people used to wake up to it all the time. Know that and, well. You know, so yeah. you were really, yeah, it was really important to make sure that you, you were paying attention if you had a morning shift because uh, let's say you put on the song Blackbird by the Beatles and, uh, and all of a sudden the record started skipping. For those of you that are <laughs> watching this, uh, under the age of 25, a record was a piece of vinyl that they put on a, <laughs> with a needle on it, and it you, needed to be clean in order for it to play clearly. So I just wanted to explain that to, to all of the, the newbies out there. Yeah, you probably had this gun called a zero stat that took the static off the vinyl, and, and that, that's, a whole other yeah, that's a whole other story. You were talking about the DJ, and, and you talked a little bit about news. Take us back on the sports side when you really got involved at St. Lawrence. Were you overwhelmed at the beginning? Well, I was really excited, to be sure. And it's kind of an interesting story, Matt, because uh, the games were not broadcast on the carrier current station. There may have been some student projects there, but I was more interested in the professional operation of, of actually calling the play-by-play -play for the community on a real radio station. And uh, St. Lawrence, very fortunately, has for a long time had North Country Public Radio. At the time, it was referred to only as WSLU, which was a, an NPR station. And that particular year, they carried the game. And so what I did was I did what most people try to do, and I asked for the order. You know, they tell you to do that as a stockbroker. Ask for the order. If you're in sales, Absolutely. ask for the business. Absolutely. So I went straight to the, the, the gentleman that was doing play-by-play -play for St. Lawrence at that radio station. His name was Bob Vilas. He's a very good friend of mine. And I said to him, I want to do what you do. I want to learn. Now, I'd like to, to kind of take a bit of an aside here, Matt, and talk to some of the students about my project and my sort of master plan. Because go for it. What a, what, what a lot of people do is they say, well, I got to go to Syracuse University and I got to go to the Newhouse School of Communications and I got to major in broadcasting. And that's what Marv Albert did. That's what Marty Glickman did. Bob Costas, Hank Greenwald. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Or I go to the Cronkite School of Journalism in, in Arizona, right? right? So, I, you know, there are a lot of people that do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But here was my reasoning. My reasoning was, at that time, there were 21 teams in the National Hockey League, and there were, you know, over 
275 million people in the United States. Now we're up to well over 300 million. So I said, you know, my odds aren't very good to get one of these jobs. So that means I'd better have a very strong, well-rounded education in order to allow me to do a lot of different things if this doesn't work. Absolutely. So with that in mind, instead of picking a place, and, and I, I can even talk to this from the hockey playing standpoint, why go to, you know, uh, if you're a, a person that really isn't a top, top recruit, why go to Michigan State and try to make the team as a walk-on or University of Wisconsin when you can go to, say, Michigan Tech or St. Lawrence or somewhere and play against those teams? And you're still playing in Division One hockey, and then you can be part of something special. So my thinking was, why don't I, instead of picking a place like that, why don't I go to a place that has a Division One hockey team, a radio station, a great academic reputation, and then I can do broadcasting as an activity, but also get a really well-rounded education to allow myself to be prepared for the rest of my life in case this thing didn't work out. So that was my sort of thinking going in. So then the next step came for asking for the order. And a little bit nervous about that, but WSLU did have some spaces for students to uh, do some things there. They were a classical music station, which I was interested in. And well, they, they, uh, they, got also, to, they got to know that you're interested too, right? Well, yeah, exactly. But here, here's the thing that happens to me. If you go to Syracuse and if you go to Newhouse, there's nothing wrong with that, like I said. But I'm thinking, if I go there, everybody in my class wants to do what I do. They all do. Yep. So that means I'm going to have to probably line up. There's probably some sort of pecking order in order to even get to call a couple of these games. And it might never happen. You just never know. So uh, I go to this place, St. Lawrence, 2,500 students, Division One hockey, radio station, walk into the radio station that day. Uh, I, I met Bob Vilas, who was the play-by-play -play man. And I said, this is what I'd like to do. And I, I don't know if you can help me or want to, but uh, I'd like to get your advice on that. And he looked at me and he said, you know, it's kind of funny. He said, here's what I'll do. I'll set up a, a place in the press box for you to call into a, a, a tape recorder and practice doing play-by-play. -play and we'll see how you are. And if I think that you have this up, you know, the ability to do this. Near the end of the season, there are a couple of games that I might not be able to do. And I'm looking for somebody. I really don't have anybody that's, uh, that's around. Maybe, uh, maybe we could do something. And he said, I'd rather give that an opportunity to a, a young student trying to learn than maybe just hire somebody in the local community that's doing high school sports or whatever. So now I'm really excited. I think this is the greatest thing. Here I am. I'm at a great school, I, you know, Division One hockey program. By the way, that year they were last place in the, in the, in the league. And very <laughs> and first and that, that didn't You didn't mind that, though. You were, you nah. were calling games. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, it didn't matter. So here I am, I'm, I'm up in the press box, and uh, we had a couple of exhibition games. I think there was a game against Queen's University in Canada, and I called the play-by-play -play of that for a period or two. And then uh, Bob came over, listened to it, and said, hey, uh, that's a, you, you, I think you really can do this. I really do. And you, you already know the game of hockey. And we had talked about that because I had followed ECAC hockey before that. So I had a base of knowledge of the, the players in the league and so forth. But uh, he's the big thing was, can you do play by play? And do you think you could build into something where you could broadcast the game? And he gave me that confidence right away, which was a big deal for me. Well, that's amazing. And the fact, you know, and that speaks volumes, I think, to St. Lawrence's program that I'm learning about right now as we talk. The, the fact that you were able to get experience as a freshman at that type of level, you know, play-by-play -play is pretty rare for freshmen, but, you know, kudos to St. Lawrence and your opportunity. What would you say was the single hardest part of your development? Uh, you want to know the truth. It, the hardest part was, was going through the grind of learning how to be a professional. 
and to understand yeah. that that while the on-air stuff was absolutely taken for granted, that was there was a minimum of expectations. You had to be good there. Right. There were so many other things involved in the in the business of sports that I had to learn, uh, whether it came to um, the process of uh, of how what's important to a team that is. And I always tell young broadcasters if they have a choice, if we, a team say in the American Hockey League has a choice of somebody who is an NHL level talent but doesn't do anything else that you know basically is a broadcaster and nothing else doesn't do sales doesn't do, doesn't know how to write a press release doesn't know um how to uh, sell season tickets or make public appearances or all of those things then they're always going to hire another guy that's great at those things and maybe a little bit uh, lesser as a broadcaster and that's because it's a full package that you have to really be and that carries on really to the NHL and it has for me certainly to me that's the one thing and the hardest thing you know, the 11-hour bus trip to Moncton, that was always pretty good from New Haven. <laughs> that, that, that was fun. That was my first road trip, by the way. Uh, we, we drove all the way to St. John, New Brunswick, which was, I think, 10 hours from New Haven, Connecticut, when I was in the AHL. Then we drove the rest of the way to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and played the game that night and stayed up there for a week, and then uh, came all the way back, bust the whole schedule. That was pretty grueling. So you have to be prepared for that. You have to be prepared to... Um, really be committed to the lifestyle of, of this job because it is a lifestyle more than it is a big financial windfall, especially in the early years. So you have to really love what you do. And that wasn't a problem. But the, the bigger issue, though, was learning to broadcast the game alone, to put sure. together a, a broadcast, to make it sound bigger than it actually was because I was doing the whole thing myself, whether it was engineering the game, whether it was putting together all the features between periods. So the idea idea would be to make the game, uh, make the broadcast team sound a lot bigger than it actually was. And I got a, a chance to do that. And of course, all of that paid off later on because I had to do many of the same things in the early years with the Sharks and the NHL level. And, you know, even to this day, we, we do a lot of those, uh, those things. Well, and I try to tell the kids, and I've done it on earlier episodes of Sports Booth, Dan, that it's not just about play-by-play. In a lot of ways, play-by-play is the reward for doing the sales, the PR, the marketing, setting up the promotional nights, and, and so on and so forth. What was more intimidating, going from college to the American League or, or going from the American League to the NHL? I got to tell you, that they, they both had their, their different levels of, uh, of heart palpitations. But I can say that going to become a professional for the first time, where you're really worried about, you know, paying rent, about, you know, all those other things, living sure, on your yeah. own, cooking oh, your yeah. own meals, all that stuff. Um, I, I'd say that that was probably larger. And, you know, it, it's funny, that next step also, uh, therein lies a tale. Here I am graduating at St. Lawrence. And by the time I was a junior, I was doing all the games. So my sophomore year, I, I did a couple of games. Junior year, I was doing all the games because the gentleman that, that I mentioned earlier left. And so I was able to, uh, to get that opportunity to do play-by-play. One of my great thrills in my college years was being able to broadcast the NCAA playoffs at the Dane County Memorial Coliseum in Wisconsin. And it oh, was yeah. uh, St. Lawrence against Chris Chelios, Bruce Driver, and the rest of that crazy team, Patrick Flatley. They were all there. And uh, it, it was an interesting couple of days. But that was a big thrill for me to be able to, to experience all those things. But then I'm graduating now, and I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? And, and the master plan was uh, to do it the way coaches and players do it. And that is you have to work your way up. You have to get an opportunity. And my goal was – 
to get as much solid experience and be as good as I can at the college level and develop a reputation there and then begin the process of contacting American Hockey League teams, for instance, to, uh, uh, to see if there were openings. And I was a senior and there were no openings. So now here I am, I'm graduating. What on earth am I going to do now? That that's, gets back to what you were asking about. So I was pretty intimidated, but I got an opportunity to get my MBA at Clarkson. Now, if you think about this, uh, you went to Michigan State. So that'd be <laughs> I know, like, I know where you're going you, with this one. <laughs> you, 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 you spend four years in East Lansing and you're, you know, you're, you're finished up. And now you're going to go to graduate school over there in Ann Arbor yeah. at uh, the University of Michigan. Well, that's exactly what it's like uh, in northern New York. Smaller schools, but big programs and, and a lot of pride. Uh, it, it would be like that. And so I, I went over there and got my MBA, but continued to call St. Lawrence games, which was always confusing to my, my graduate school class classmates when they would see me at a Clarkson St. Lawrence game and be on the, on the so-called wrong side of the press box. So that, that was fun. And I actually had a really good experience there too academically, but I also was building some equity in my career. And again, getting back to my earlier premise, being prepared to do anything, something else, yes. if this doesn't work out, but you yeah, doing things that Absolutely. are going to benefit well, and, and doing things that are going to benefit you, as it turned out. So, I, I continue to make contacts with with NH, NHL, with AHL teams. I got some help from you know through contacts. I, I've been able, I was able to meet some folks. And as it turned out, the the year that I graduated from Clarkson, there were uh, I, I believe it was four AHL opportunities that had opened up. Oh, that's quite a bit. And I was that was very unusual. So um, I. I did what uh, what most people do. The first opportunity I got a real offer, I accepted. But it just so happened that that offer was in New Haven, Connecticut, which is about ten miles from where I grew up. Oh, that's awesome. So that may, that really makes things financially a lot better too. I, you know, for sure. I did for for five years when I was in New Haven. Um, certainly, you're, you're you're really struggling to make ends meet and so forth. But I was able to. Um, I rented basically some space from my sister who had a house there and we, she needed some help. So uh, we were able to help each other for five years before I came out to San Jose. So that was the next big step after that to, uh, to get to the AHL, to understand that, uh, that, that I think the way you put it was really good, Matt, to, to say that the broadcasting was the reward for all of the other work that you had to do. I'm convinced and I think that. that's, that really worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned going to Clarkson after having your connections at St. Lawrence University, Paul Keels, who's a longtime uh, radio guy in the big 10, I believe he made the transition from Michigan to Ohio state. So it, it, it does happen. Hey, did you cross paths with your broadcast partner in San Jose, Jamie Baker, when he was at St. Lawrence? The very last year that I was at St. Lawrence, I was, uh, it was my last year of graduate school. I was calling the games. Jamie was an incoming freshman. And somewhere in my archives, I've got an interview that I did with him from that very first year, which I would love to dig up now. But uh, yeah, we became uh, good friends back then. And we had a, a great year together that year. And it, it's kind of funny. We kept following each other around. I was in New Haven calling games. He was playing for the Halifax Citadels, which was the Quebec Nordiques affiliate in yep. the AHL. So I'd run into him all the time. And, you know, then I came to San Jose and he was in Ottawa playing for the Senators, his hometown team. And then he came to the Sharks and uh, we, we just kept bumping into each other. So it's, it's been a, a great friendship over these years. And I'm very fortunate to, to work with him. What do you think are the biggest mistakes young play-by-play -play guys make? 
Um, I, I'd say that the biggest mistake you, that a lot of people make is that they try to look ahead too far and they don't focus on being the best that they can be at the level that they're at. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, you don't want to have a reputation of, of, you know, you get a job and then all of a sudden you're looking for the next job. You want to be really good at what you do. You want to make a commitment to the community that, that, that you're working in. And the hard part, too, that a lot of people make is they don't know exactly when to fish or cut bait, so to speak. And that is, that's the hardest part, is that you're going through this and you also have life goals, too. You know, you want to own a home. You might want to get married. You might want to raise a family. You have all yes. of those things, but you're kind of putting those things aside while you're building the equity in your career, which is certainly the way you have to do it. But, you know, you don't want to be in a position where, you know, you're 45 years old and you can't really improve yourself. You're not making that much of a living and, and you, you haven't settled those things in your life. So I think it's important to just have, have a good set of goals that you want to have for yourself. When I first came to New Haven, I put down a list of things. And one of the things that I wrote was, uh, and I actually wrote them down, was I would like to be in the NHL as a play-by-play -play announcer at age 30. And that was uh, a pretty tall order, I thought. But I, I put it down and I wondered if it would ever happen. Well, it, it just so happened that the opportunity came right when I turned 30. That, that's something that, that I always remember, that I actually wrote it down and it ended up happening. Um, there's no mystical reason for that, but you know, I just think it's important to have goal-directed action and, and a focus. The biggest mistake that people do make, though, is they uh, they probably cut bait sometimes a little bit too soon, and in some cases too late. You have to be honest about where you are, what your talent level is, and uh, and what your whether or not it's going to be able to work out for the life that you want. Influences. We've all had influences. My influences uh, included Dan Kelly of the St. Louis Blues the legendary radio voice of the Blackhawks, Lloyd Pettit. I, I wasn't a Foster Hewitt guy because I didn't grow up in Canada. Uh, but, um, you know, we all have our influences. Who were yours and, and, and how did they influence you? I had the great advantage, as you did, Matt, of being able to uh, listen to a lot of different NHL play-by-play -play guys by virtue of the fact that I lived in Connecticut. And in those days, certainly, most of the teams were on pretty powerful AM radio stations at night. So I was able to listen to Marv Albert in New York, who I listened to the most probably. Uh, but also I listened to Dan Kelly because I could pick K uh, KMOX in St. Louis up in my house, although I had to kind of turn the radio dial a little bit <laughs> to make sure it came in. Uh, I used to pick up WBBM in Chicago, but also uh, you could listen. I could listen to Pittsburgh. I could listen to Boston. I could listen to Montreal in French. So I listened to Rene LeCavalier quite a bit, wow. but didn't understand half of what he was saying. And I could listen to uh, uh, all of these Eastern Seabird, Gene Hart in Philadelphia, who became a good friend. And, uh, you know, Bob Wilson in, in Boston. Uh, but I, I really think that that probably I, I listened the most to the New York Ranger broadcast simply because they were so much closer. But I listened to Devils, Islanders, yeah. Washington Capitals. So uh, I really had a, a very strong sense of, of, of a lot of different play-by-play -play styles. And I thought that that was good. You know what's really great now is that young people today – can do the same thing regardless of where they live in the world because right. of the internet. Because oh, you can listen to NHL radio broadcasts world, everywhere. Right? It's beautiful. Oh, it's great. Dan, thanks so much for your time. I, I look forward to when we can uh, hang out at a morning skate again, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, this is great. Uh, talking about building your base and influences, and, and I'm sure the kids are going to love hearing what you had to say. 
yeah, my final thought, Matt, is, is just to make sure you, you maintain confidence in what you're doing. There are always a lot of no's. The, the first thing that happens in sales is that somebody says no to you. And the same thing happens as you try to, uh, to sell your product, which is you, uh, to a professional sports franchise. So uh, continue to have confidence. Don't get discouraged when the process is slower than you think. Um, understand and be realistic about your expectations, but also about uh, evaluating yourself. And make sure that you enjoy it while you're doing it. I, I think that some of the most fun times that I, I can tell you that both you and I have had have not just come in the NHL, where, which is the best of the best, but also during those times when we were working our way to get to this point. And yeah, that's something sure. that, that everybody should do. And remember that you should always have a lot of different skills because the more skills that you have at your, at your uh, capability and at your doorstep, uh, the more value you can provide to the team or the organization that you work for. So those are some things to think about. It was fun being on with you. I got to look forward to those morning skates soon. Great advice, Dan. Thank you so much. You bet, Matt. Thanks. If you've ever listened to Dan call a game, you know he's prepared. And you know he has the passion and dedication running high after all these years in the business. It's why he's one of the best in the business. Make sure to give him a listen during the hockey season. Take your time and you'll be amazed at how you start getting better and better. Don't forget you can email the show at pxpquestions at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at SportsBoothPod1. Up next, Episode 6, Chasing the Jobs. Until then, this is Matt McConnell. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something you didn't know before. And best of luck and thanks as always for listening to SportsBooth.